first Bible reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting at verse 14. It can be found on page 1197 of the Pew Bibles. It's 2 Timothy 3, starting at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the gospel reading is from Luke chapter 4 verses 14 to 21. That's on page 1031. Luke 4:14. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, He found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm going to pray the prayer that we usually use and hear on Bible Sunday. O blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, help us so to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that through patience and the comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. In this morning with something of a history lesson, um, Tim here has stolen a little bit of what I was going to say uh, already, but it's importantly relevant to what we embark on today. 
I, I think back of my history lessons when I was at school, and I can recall one particular occasion when history was so boring to me. It was, must have been so boring to the master teaching us, too, that he actually fell asleep. <laughs> Will you stay with me, please, <laughs> for the, just the next few minutes? I tried to make it not in any way boring. But you see, during the next few weeks, we're going to explore the five solas of the Reformation. And it's appropriate to do so because as we've been reminded, at the end of this month, uh, we celebrate the 500th anniversary of that day when the German monk, uh, Martin Luther, nailed those 95 theses to the door of Wittenberg Castle's church. And that was a document, as we've been reminded this morning, that altered the course of history the implications of which, of course, are fully evident still today. Luther was a devout Augustinian scholar, and he was totally, totally dedicated to the Church of Rome. He taught in the University of Wittenberg, and he lectured in Bible studies, in biblical studies. He had a very, very fine intellect, and having studied in depth what was then a fresh version of the New Testament in Greek, he became increasingly convinced that Scripture was at odds with quite a number of teachings in the Catholic tradition. There were two areas in particular that stood out to him through Scripture as being wrong. There was the practice of indulgences, and they were deemed totally acceptable. Why? Because the Pope had authorized them. What were indulgences? Do you know? Indulgences were, in fact, um, how, how can I put it? They were a payment to the Catholic Church uh, for a, uh, which, which purchased an exemption from punishment, or to some extent a reduction of that punishment for individuals who uh, had sinned. They'd committed a sin and it has paid for in that way. Luther could find no scriptural warrant for this practice. He argued that the indulgences contradicted scripture, and since God's word in the Bible must guide all the church's teaching, indulgences had to be totally rejected. He actually affirmed, and he said, I consider myself convicted by the testimony of Holy Scripture, which is my basis. My conscience is captive to the word of God. Yes, the Bible had to be and uh, it was and it had to be the guide and the ultimate authority for all that the church taught. But the Pope claimed to speak with an authority which quite often overrode scripture. The Pope claimed that his teaching was infallible 
and binding upon everyone in the church. Luther declared this was not on and had to be rejected. And so came about the Protestant Reformation with the establishment of these five solas, which became the which were to be the basis of the church's teaching. They're listed in our church news. I think there's going to be a poster with them up. Let me tell you who they what, what they are, just as we begin this whole series. Uh, the Bible, the Bible authoritative, sure, true totally sufficient in all matters, just stood supreme. And sola scriptura, you all say that? Sola scriptura, by scripture alone, that phrase came into being. By scripture alone, sola scriptura. And out of scripture, out of scripture, that our salvation is solus Christus in Christ alone, sola gratia by grace alone, sola fide through faith alone, and soli deo gloria, glory to God alone. I'm going to test you all on the way out. Make sure you've remembered all five. Okay. We're going to go through them again. Don't worry. I might add that there were others before Luther who had thought with like mind, amongst them John Wycliffe, who, and to some degree, they and others then uh, were laid the egg which Luther hatched. There we are. That's the end of the history lesson. All awake? Good. Uh, let's go on, because today we're really focusing on sola scriptura. Sola scriptura, by scripture alone. See, Sola Scriptura clearly underlines the centrality and the authority of God's Word, the Bible. In the centrality and the authority in every area of the life of the church, in its teaching, its creeds, its confessions, its traditions, every aspect which, of course, must be subordinate to and in full agreement with the scriptures themselves. And our own lives to be lived in the light of what the Bible tells us. It always strikes me how um, we observe the do not enter sign outside the electricity substation. We walk, we steer clear. I assume that most of you this morning have driven on the left coming to church today. We buy some new electrical gadget and we follow the maker's instructions in order to get the best results. Yes, we're so wise, aren't we? And our creator God, who made us, has given us the maker's instruction manual with all the guidelines, so that we can enjoy life in all its fullness, right through into eternity. How foolish, how foolish we can be 
when we ignore his commands, his instructions, his guidelines of how to live our lives. We've read again this morning, Judy's just read it to us, from Paul's letter to Timothy, that all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. The Life Application Study Bible renders that as all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. And Paul adds the inspired words to Timothy. It's all for a purpose. To prepare and equip the people of God. To prepare and equip us, yes, for amongst other things, for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. And because all scripture is inspired by God, it is true and trustworthy Because God is truth. You know, in the Bible, God reveals himself to us. And most powerfully, he does so in Jesus. It was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he added, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. In other words, Jesus said, I am the truth. You've seen me. So you've seen the Father. And the Father is truth. You see, we see the importance of God's word and the truth of his word way back in time. In the book of Deuteronomy, you can check this for yourselves, Moses speaks and gives the law to the priests and he tells them to read it to the assembled people so that they can listen and learn to fear the Lord their God and follow carefully the words of his law. And later Moses adds, take to heart all these words of warning I've given you. Pass them on as a command to your children so that they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not idle words. They're not empty words. They are your life. See, God's words, the word of God, not idle, empty words. They are the truth. Francis Schaeffer, who lived as a self-proclaimed agnostic, decided to read the Bible from beginning to end. He had a mind for what he called the truth. He was always searching for the truth. And after reading God's word, he wrote that it tells true truth truthfully. He'd fallen in love with the Bible and its message of salvation first and foremost because it is true. Take your Bible concordance and look up the word truth. Reference after reference in the Gospels. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Over and over and over again, 
God reveals himself in Jesus as the one who speaks the truth because he is the truth and truth cannot lie. And because all scripture is inspired by God, breathed into by God, it is the truth. I noted while preparing for today that Peter in his second epistle writes about the words of the prophets in scripture. Realize, he says, realize that no prophecy in scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. The prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Yes, from our God of all truth. The psalmists refer repeatedly to the word of truth. Psalm 25, lead me in your truth, for you are the God of my salvation. Psalm 86, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Psalm 43, may your light and your truth lead me. Let me read a few verses from Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your instructions. This is what the psalmist wrote. I think about them all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are my constant guide. Yes, I have more insight than my teachers, for I'm always thinking of your laws. I'm even wiser than my elders, for I've kept your commandments. I refuse to walk on any evil path so that I may remain obedient to your word. I haven't turned away from your regulations, for you have taught me well. Oh, how sweet your words are to me. How sweet they taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. And your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Can I sense a challenge there? I wonder how many of us would echo those words as a true reflection of our own lives. In one of his books about our study of the Bible and the blessings of scripture memory, Tim LaHaye notes how reading God's word studying it and remembering it will give us victory over sin will help us to overcome worry will give us a confidence in sharing our faith will speed up the transformation process in our lives don't think you're there yet we're all a work in progress it will assist us in discerning God's will for our lives. It will fit us for service to God. Great reminders there. You have noted, I hope, from the Luke reading how Jesus taught regularly in the synagogues and how he read from the scriptures. Then, of course, what we refer to as the Old Testament. You know, Jesus wanted to teach people how to live. He wanted to teach them how to find salvation. And he used parables, of course, always with a relevance that his listeners could readily apply. 
And there's a record of much of his teaching ministry in the Gospels. But how we, like him, must use scripture when we are teaching. Miss do so too with an openness to update parables as the Holy Spirit leads us. And Jesus also went to great pains to tell us who he was, who he is. Yes, who he is. And all that he wants to do and be to us. He's the good shepherd whom David knows personally. And how Jesus just longs for each one of us to have that same intimate relationship with him. He is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the vine. He's the gate. He's the resurrection and the life. And as we read the Bible or hear it read, that we first discover who this Jesus is. You know, the scriptures are a signpost. They're a signpost pointing to Jesus and pointing to life in all its fullness. I quote Campbell Morgan. He says, there's no life in the scriptures themselves, but if we follow where they lead, they will bring us to Christ. And so we find life, not in the scriptures, but in Jesus through the scriptures. Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura has a key role in the mission of the church and in the life of every individual on that road to faith and once they become believers. And you know, for us here today, I wonder what verses or passages of scripture as individuals that we would refer to as key in our testimony of coming to faith and following Jesus day by day. But you know, too, as disciples, we are in receipt of Christ's commission to make other disciples. And there's power in our testimony. But there's greater power in God's word. Let's quote it. Let's use it. The writer to the Hebrews says, For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And you know, as part of the church's movement, we are called to transform people and society as we point them to Jesus and their transformation and salvation will indeed be by the grace of God. It will be through faith. It will be in Christ alone and it will be for God's glory. And yet it will be with the word of God which is our responsibility to bring to them sola scriptura
power of God's word. I'm going to pray again. And I'm going to use that same prayer. I'm going to add a little bit to it. O blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, help us and others whom we meet or know so to hear them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that through patience and the comfort of your holy word, we and they may embrace and ever hold fast that hope of everlasting life which you've given us in our Saviour Jesus Christ, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever.